Welcome to the Maritime Podcast, and you're listening to Marcus Hand, editor of Sea Trade Maritime News. In this latest in focused episode, we are examining the handling, safety, and crew training aspects of operating dual fuel vessels. The main focus of the episode is on LNG dual fuel vessels, but it will also look forward to newer alternative fuel types such as ammonia and hydrogen. Taking part in the discussions are Eswin D'Souza, Fleet Director, Fleet Operations, Petroleum at Eagle Star Ship Management, Singapore Private Limited, Mark Darley, Marine and Offshore Chief Operating Officer for Lloyd's Register, and Yunus Alunai, Senior Gas Manager and Advisor for Intertanko. Firstly, I'd like to turn to Eswin to explain broadly the differences between operating with gas as a fuel rather than just with oil. Predominantly, when you look at dual fuels, you're starting to look at two fuels. From our background in the past, you've always had one fuel and you've been dealing with liquid. So you're dealing with gas, which is predominantly the direction that we've gone with, which is LNG to start off with, and handling this liquid in temperature of minus 150 or so requires you to look at it from a design standpoint because you're dealing with a very different operational cycle. You have to also think about the containment system because that's quite different with the bunkering processes that are connected with that. And then, of course, the people who are going to handle it, which is ship staff, you know, which is the most important thing that one has to look at. There's a lot of documentation over there from that standpoint to train them both on board as well as those folks ashore. And to try and look at this from a completely different mindset change, you know, it's looking at it for our engineers and our uh, navigators on board to try and look at things from a standpoint of it's not oil, it's actually gas. Thank you, Edwin. To drill a bit deeper into this topic and the specific safety aspects of handling LNG as a fuel, I'd like to turn to Yunus from Intertanko to explain more about the fuel, supply and storage. From the safety perspective of the engine itself, there is not much difference. Where safety differs, I would say, is the gas supply part and the gas storage part to the engine. First, on the gas supply part, everyone may easily understand that bringing gas to machinery space, this should go through pipes. And any leak on those pipes may bring some kind of catastrophic consequences. Therefore, both IGC code and IGF code address the safety in, I would say, mainly three different layers of safety. First layer is what we call double barrier. Each pipe, for example, may have its double wall when it's running inside the engine. That's one of the, let's say, key principles. After that, the second layer, which is the leak detection, because you would like to know you have a leak in case it happens. And last, emergency shutdown, or what we call ESD. This is what triggers action to stop your situation from escalating. Emergency shutdown in general will cut the supply of gas to the engines, as well as de-energize whatever ignition source present in this machinery compartment. Now we have the storage part, and I agree with Edwin. There is two main issues here. The cryogenic nature of the LNG. Everyone, again, understand any leak to the steel structure of the ship, which is not meant to be in contact with this very cold products transported in general as minus 160. To protect the steel of the ship, we either have insulation for membrane tanks or physical spacing, for example, for type C tanks present on deck with some drip tray with specific material under the tanks. 
other issue with storage is to control the pressure, especially in the case of the LNG. But fortunately, I would say for LNG, when you supply the gas to the engine, it's not supplied in the liquid state like most of the other fuels, also the other alternative fuels. It is supplied in the gas state. And this particular feature is all the designers are trying to make advantage of it to make what I call it always a marriage in heaven to control the pressure in the tanks and to supply the gas to the engine. So you take the vapors from the tanks and you supply them directly to the engines. Doing so, of course, you supply the engine and you control the pressure in the tanks. And the last element of safety of those dual fuel vessels, I would say, like Edwin says, is again the human element and the training and knowledge is always of the essence in running those dual fuel engines. The human element will always be key to safe operations. And I would like to come back to Eswin to tell us more about the specific training requirements for crew working on board dual fuel vessels. As far as the training is concerned, it's an overall thing we looked at. It predominantly does look at the engineers to start with, but we also do have the key ranks in the master and the chief officer of the ship who are also trained specifically under the IGF. If you're dealing with fuel, it's a different thing to dealing with a cargo. When we've gone with, you know, where LNG has been carried and LNG has been used as part of the whole process across from loading a cargo and discharging a cargo and then tying it into utilizing it for the propulsion of the engine, then it, it's a different kettle of fish. But when you start dealing with oil ships, like what we've done recently with our dual fuels, petroleum ships, is that you have to actually change the mindset of the folks on board to try and look at it from a very different standpoint. Yes, we do train our guys and we have this advantage in, uh, in Eelstar and the MIC group that we're able to actually utilize the folks' experience from the LNG uh, vessels that we operate for the last so many decades. But the point of view over here is that you focus on your engineers, make sure that your engineers are able to handle this in a manner which is safe to start with, and then try and make sure that they manage their bunkering processes uh, well, because that's completely different. Bunkering, as most folks know, is being taken up over the course of the years with taking on your fuel oils or your diesel oils, and that's come quite a straightforward process. But dealing with the LNG, taking it on onto your uh, vessel as a bunker, and then utilizing it, of course, within the containment system safely enough is a critical angle to look at. So they do go in for training. We do focus on you know, doing a basic set of training for the guys who look at it from a point of view of the fuel for the engineers. And then we will put them on board ships for a short uh, stint, a month or two, to get experience of loading and discharging operations on the LNG ships. And we've been able to work with flag administrations to actually recognize this and take it forward which has been a great advantage and also try and look at other like-minded folks who collaboratively uh, work this for uh, various other collaborative parties who are interested to work with us. Thank you, Eswin. And how about training for crew for other types of vessels, such as LNG bunker tankers? Actually, we've been dealing with a couple of vessels that are LNG bunker because we do have an LNG bunker vessel that we do operate. But we do have our folks who train in our institute in uh, Malaysia, the uh, Institute Alam, where a lot of folks actually get their basics and then we give them an opportunity to actually uh, take it further through the experiential angle. Uh, it's nothing like the hands-on stuff because that makes a world of a difference, no two ways about it. But we're open to working with anyone and we were just saying this this morning. We have talked mainly today about LNG as a dual fuel, but looking ahead, 
we have the possibility of ammonia, hydrogen, and other alternative fuels. Mark, could you tell our listeners about the work Lloyd's Register is doing on developing safety standards for new alternative fuels? Now, as a class society, really our part within that is to foster collaboration and work across a whole different range of stakeholders. So that's the OEMs, that's the shipyards, that's the ship owners, the charterers, the fuel suppliers, and really provide a framework for the industry to understand the how and ultimately provide the industry a framework to design, operate and maintain these vessels safely. You know, to Eunice's point, yes, we have the IGF code, but largely, particularly when we talk about the hydrogens and the ammonias and the nuclears of this world, largely a prescriptive rule requirement doesn't exist for any of the fuels that the industry is talking about today. So working with the industry, and I think the best example of that is the Castor Initiative that Lloyd's Register is part of with MISC, MAN-ES, Samsung, Yara, Singapore MPA and Singapore Port. And really, that is a collaboration of stakeholders to get ammonia-fueled deep-sea ship into the water. So as you might imagine, a lot of hazard has up workshops to really understand, as both Eswin and Eunice have spoken about, the safe design, but also the safe operation, particularly in terms of bringing ammonia into the engine room, bunkering ammonia safely around the world. Thank you, Mark. And that brings us to the end of today's discussions. Operating with dual fuel vessels brings a new level of complexity and safety concerns for owners and managers. Collaboration and working with the right partners are of key importance to ensure both safe and reliable shipping. Thank you to Edwin D'Souza, Mark Darley and Yunus Alunai for their time and insights. That is all we have time for today. We hope you have found this episode of the Maritime Podcast useful. Stay safe, and we look forward to joining you on the next episode of the Maritime Podcast. Podcast.